You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Well, we've been in this series uh, kind of dealing uh, these last couple of weeks on uh, kind of dealing with uh, toxic people. And obviously, there's a lot of toxicity there in that interaction between Ralph and his mother-in-law. And these last few weeks, we've really been kind of looking at ways uh, to really kind of overcome and to successfully deal uh, with toxic relationships within our family, which all of us have encountered uh, from time to time. And maybe some of you are kind of in the midst of one uh, right now. Last week, we talked about really the most effective way to really kind of overcome and to deal with toxic relationships is found in the power of prayer. It's through prayer that I believe uh, we will discover and God will give us the strength, the wisdom, the discernment, love, power, and really the ability to walk and to live this out uh, in our lives. And this is so important because, as many of you know, the saying goes, you can pick your family or your friends, but you're stuck with your family, right? When a friendship or, yeah, someone didn't agree with that, but, but again, when a friendship or a co-worker, uh, when that relationship goes awry, uh, you can usually avoid or you can really maybe even minimize your contact with that person. But boy, I'll tell you what, when it's a family member, it's someone um, under your own roof, um, you know, avoidance becomes much more of a challenge. So there are just some relationships you really got to commit yourself to working through, if at all possible. So before we get into the second prayer, let me just share with you probably the most, um, you know, common sources that really have the potential to turn a person toxic. So how does a healthy person, you know, become an unhealthy person? How does a a normal person, you know, become somebody who's damaging and, and poisoning others around them? I would tell you, I think the number one cause um, of toxicity is envy and jealousy. Envy and jealousy, they kind of rob your spirit and soul of any and all joy and peace. Envy and jealousy, it's like taking cancer into your heart. When you see somebody, if that's a friend, a family member, a neighbor, a co-worker, and all of a sudden they're kind of succeeding, they're doing well in life, a lot of times we can become jealous and envious of that person, of their success. And again, once that happens, we kind of just open the door to uh, toxicity. And again, it's just something we need to be aware of. And the moment you kind of allow, you know, envy and jealousy uh, into your heart, the seeds of toxicity, they've kind of been planted there. And as those seeds kind of begin to take root and they begin to grow, it has the potential of really producing toxic relationships with those Um, people around you, and eventually, you know, things will kind of begin to turn uh, very unhealthy and poisonous. Again, sometimes when somebody maybe makes more money, 
um, than you do. Maybe gets a promotion or a raise at work and, and you didn't. Maybe someone's getting married and, and you've longed to find that you know, perfect someone to get married to. Or maybe somebody has a baby and you've always had that longing in your heart you know, to be a parent. Uh, or somebody is you know, maybe recognized or honored uh, for their achievements and maybe you kind of thought that should have been you. Again, you're opening that door uh, to toxicity by allowing envy and jealousy to kind of come in. And again, if we're not careful, if we're not aware of that, again, it really has the potential to produce uh, toxicity. Do you know what the most fertile ground for envy is? This is really kind of interesting. It's with people who are most like you. It's people who maybe share similar uh, passions, maybe those that are in a similar uh, profession, And again, let me just give you kind of some examples. You know, authors uh, really have the potential to be envious of other authors, okay? Um, Doctors, you know, have the potential of becoming envious of other doctors. Athletes mainly become envious of other athletes. You know, musicians, uh, again, there's the potential of becoming envious against other musicians. Pastors, I mean, we tend to become the most envious um, with other pastors and so on. See, envy will mainly be developed and directed towards someone you share a common denominator with. See, an author will usually not be envious, you know, toward a plumber. You know, especially if, you know, he or she doesn't aspire to become a plumber um, or doesn't really care about plumbing, okay? There's just not a lot there to be envious about. You know, a pastor will not become envious of an athlete, you know, especially if he doesn't, uh, he or she doesn't aspire to become an athlete or they're not athletic, And that's, again, why the religious leaders kind of cooperated and conspired in the death of Jesus Christ upon the cross. Again, these were the religious leaders. These were the ones that the people came to, you know, for counsel. Um, And and there in Mark 15, 10, listen to this. For he, Pilate, realized by now that the leading priest had arrested Jesus out of envy. Again, the the priests, the Pharisees, they were envious of Jesus. All that he was uh, doing, the influence, the power, the authority uh, that he displayed. And and they saw the crowd's response to Jesus and their envy produced toxicity. So beware when you start to feel envy, jealousy towards others. Again, you're opening that door to toxicity in those relationships. Now, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail. I'll kind of just direct you to the outline. But the other two common denominators uh, in toxic relationships is money. And the third one, again, um, is bitterness. So, again... The antidote for toxicity, especially those close toxic family relationships, again, there are four prayers that we're going to kind of be talking about over the next couple of weeks that you can begin to pray. And as you're praying those prayers, what you're doing is you're inviting, you're welcoming God into that situation. You're bringing God into that relationship 
Um, and you're asking God to bring some relief, uh, again, some healing, some restoration. So that first prayer we talked about last week was the prayer that says, Father, again, we want to start it like Jesus started. Father, enable, empower me to forgive my family. Now, that was the number one prayer for the reason that in every relationship, there's always going to come a point and a time where we need to extend, we need to receive forgiveness. Whenever there's a breakdown in any relationship, whether it's our relationship with God, whether it's our relationship with others, I mean, it can even be our relationship with ourselves, okay? Sometimes we kind of forget about that relationship with ourselves, and so we start by asking God to forgive, to able to empower us to forgive those that need to be forgiven. <coughs> Carl Menninger, who was a famous psychiatrist, uh, he wrote a very popular book many years ago called Whatever Happened to Sin? And he said if he could convince his patients, his clients, in the psychiatric hospital that their sins were forgiven, he estimated 75% of those people would walk out of that hospital the next day. So again, forgiveness, it's where we need to start. It's key in forgiving others. It's key in forgiving ourselves as well as receiving the forgiveness that is ours through Christ. So the starting point to victory in any toxic relationship is forgiveness. Second prayer that I want to just focus on this morning is, Father, give me grace to know and to accept my limitations. Now, like it or not, believe it or not, aware of it or not, every one of us in this room, we have limitations. There are limitations on our time. There's only 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week. So again, our time is limited. There are limitations on our resources, okay? There's limitations on our physical bodies. There's only so much I can do with my physical body. There are limitations on our gifts and our abilities, in our Wednesday night study on emotionally healthy spirituality, um, he kind of speaks to this issue. And there in the book, um, he says this. He says, accepting our limitations is a painful lesson for all of us to learn. Amen. So that our egos tend to be so inflated that we act as if we're God. Often we have bigger fantasies and wishes for ourselves than our real lives can support. It says, as a result, we work frantically trying to do more than God intended. We burn out thinking we can do more than we can, and we get stressed and start blaming others. We run around frantically convinced that the world, whether it be our churches, friends, business, or children, will stop. If we stop, others of us get depressed because our desires are so high and unachievable that it seems useless to do anything at all. I love the picture the Apostle Paul gives to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7 when he says, we have this treasure 
There, he says, there is a treasure that we have from God. But he says, but we are like clay pots that hold the treasure. And he says, this shows or this demonstrates that the power is from God and not from us. Now notice that phrase, clay jars. That, that's God's picture of us. Paul's kind of giving us a metaphor for how God sees us. He sees us as clay jars. Now just stop for a moment and just think about a clay jar. They're common. They're easily broken. They're, they're temporary in this life. A lot like you and me. And there comes kind of this great freedom in, in knowing and accepting who we are who God created us to be. Again, not trying to be Lord of the universe, not trying to do more than God's called or created us to do, just knowing that I am a clay jar, that God wants to store, that God wants to contain, or God wants to put his treasure within me. And that great treasure that, that Paul speaks of, what he's referring to there is he's referring to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. It is those spiritual gifts. It is his grace that God has placed within us. And it's through that that God is going to then be able to use these clay pots to love the unlovable. It's through these clay pots, that power that we contain that is the Holy Spirit, that God is going to enable and empower us to forgive the unforgivable. And Paul says that great demonstration of love and forgiveness is going to show you and me that that power we are experiencing, that power we are displaying, it comes from God and not from us. Again, as, as clay jars, we need to recognize that when it comes to toxic family members, I want you just to acknowledge there are three limitations that we've got to recognize and we've got to accept. And the first one is, that first limitation is, I am not God. Now, how many of you know that? Yeah. Okay, all of us should know that. But let's be honest, there are times when it comes to the way that we relate to others and to ourselves, where I think we forget that sometimes. I think this was, again, one of the lessons Job learned. I think it's one of the lessons of Job we need to learn. Again, there are things that happen in our lives, things that happen in the lives of our loved ones that we just don't understand. We, we don't have a theological grid work for maybe the way that God is working in certain situations. And we just come to a point where, where we understand there are just certain things we want to control but really are beyond our ability to control. So again, no matter how much of life you think you are in control of, there is so much more of life you are not in control of. And when that feeling of being out of control comes, and again, 
it, it tends to kind of steal our peace and our joy. And it's then that we would do well to remember those words that David wrote in Psalm 46, verse 10, be still. It's in that place where we just need to stop and just be still and know that he is God. Notice again, we're we're called first to be still. And then it's out of that stillness, just as we talked this morning, to worship. And it's out of that worship that prayer flows. It's in that stillness that, again, we begin to feel and to experience that God is there. And that he is in control no matter how out of control things feel to us. Again, there are just times in my own personal life. Again, we're, we're, it's hectic. I mean, my mind is racing. I'm scattered trying to figure this and that out. There are times, you know, as, as a pastor where you kind of feel like you owe people an explanation, you know, for what God is doing or not doing, for what God has allowed and God maybe, you know, hasn't allowed. And again, I'm just kind of coming to that place as all of you are where I'm learning to recognize my limitations my, my place in the kingdom of God as kind of that clay pot that really is a container of that great treasure of God. And it's in those times where I come to that realization of who he is and of who I am in him that it becomes easier for me to kind of be led to those green pastures, to those still waters that David talks about in Psalm 23. And you kind of just come to that place, that release of saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I love what Hebrews 4.11 says. It says, so let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fail. I believe that place of rest, again, it comes from just becoming still and just realizing he is God, I am not. He is in control, I am not. He is the healer, I am not. There are times where where God heals in the way we wished and hoped and prayed that God would heal. There are times where God chooses to do other things in, in that place of healing. Again, he is the healer. It's his timetable. He heals, but he doesn't always heal the way we think or want God to heal in the timetable we want God to do it. Again, that's part of that limitation. It's part of learning. I'm not in control of this situation. I'm not in control of these circumstances. God is. And I just trust that while I don't understand what God may be doing, I do understand God is at work. The second limitation that we've got to accept uh, and acknowledge when it comes to dealing with toxic family members is I cannot force someone else to change their behavior or thoughts. I touched a little bit on this uh, last week. I'm not going to say a whole lot more about that. Again, that's kind of why I've done more the uh, expanded sermon notes so you can kind of see what my thinking was there in the sermon notes. Third limitation that I want to come to, um, and I think that we really have to acknowledge um, is really something that probably uh, of the three of these is the one that, where I probably struggle uh, and, and deal with uh, the most. And, and it really 
is one of the things I think that really has the potential to kind of create toxic relationships, and that is we have to come to this understanding that we have weaknesses. Every one of us in this room, we have weaknesses. Every one of us in this room, you have strengths, you have weaknesses. Every one of you in this room, you contain treasure, and you also contain the potential to become toxic in the way you relate to others. Every one of us in this room, we are a mix of wonder and of weaknesses. We're a mix of of sin and we're a a mix of sanctification. Again, sanctification is that process where God is dealing with issues, sin, mistakes, failures. God is sanctifying us, making us, and bringing us more and more into the image of Christ. So we're all a mixture. There's areas that, that God is working in. In that sanctification, and it's a lifelong process. See, there's really kind of two ditches I see a lot of people get into, and I'm not just speaking here, but, but just in the church in general. There are people who think we have no weaknesses, we're perfect, we're fine, there's no sin, there's no struggle. Folks, that's one ditch. There are people who say, I'm a worm, I'm no good, you know, uh, and, and they're, they're constantly talking down themselves. Again, they, they don't see the treasure that God has placed within them. That's the other ditch. So let me just kind of give you, I love what, I did want to just share this. Uh, I was listening to um, Christian author and psychologist Dr. Diane Langberg uh, this past week. And one of the things she said as she was kind of speaking to this whole issue is she says, always, always, always be on the lookout, be looking for the treasure that is within you. Again, oftentimes we can get so busy beating ourselves up that we really lose sight of that great treasure that is within us. Let me just kind of, I'm going to kind of just wind down here and kind of close. I want to just share a little bit about an example from my own life. So again, I I recognize and I'm, I'm well aware that I am aware, I recognize the treasure of God that is within me. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, he said, "Um, God made Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin or to become sin for us, so that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. So part of the treasure that is within me, part of the treasure that is in you, if you're here this morning and you are a believer, that is in Christ, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You contain that treasure in your clay pot, okay? So that is part of the treasure that is in us as believers. And and again, the word of God is just filled with insight, revelation, regarding the treasures that God has placed within us. And so, you know, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it's just an example of many truths uh, that are in there. So, one of the weaknesses that I am aware of and really am working on in my own personal life is I tend to be very defensive, okay? I just tend to be a very very defensive person. 
Um, and so on the one hand, I acknowledge I am this child of God. I am unconditionally loved by my heavenly Father. That is part of that great treasure that I contain in my clay pot. Okay? But I also can be very defensive, and at times my defensiveness really has the potential to create toxicity in my relationships. Anybody else deal with this? <laughs> Author Sharon Eliason defines defensiveness as a war mentality to a non-war issue. Now, I kind of liken that um, to, you know, when I become defensive, I will bring a tank to a squirt gun fight, okay? <laughs> That's how defensiveness just kind of works in me. And so as I really kind of have really looked and really kind of studied uh, the issue of defensiveness, what I have discovered is that people will react or they'll respond defensively in order to protect themselves from feeling a certain uncomfortable way or from viewing themselves as a failure or otherwise in a negative light. That's why people become defensive. So for me, I tend to feel the most defensive when someone is either bringing up or they're addressing an issue, a situation, a circumstance that involves a failure or a mistake on my part. Now, I hate making mistakes. I hate failure. No matter how big or small it is, I hate it all, okay? So whenever somebody brings up an issue, situation, circumstance that involves a mistake or a failure on my part, and because I want to desperately avoid those feelings that come with making mistakes or failures, I will become defensive and bring a war mentality to a non-war issue. So that's what tends to make us defensive is we don't want to experience those unpleasant, those unwanted feelings. We don't want to admit or take responsibility for some negative action on our part. Now, interestingly, one of the keys to really dealing with or avoid becoming defensive or going on the attack when someone critiques or questions an action or a decision you've made is by making sure you do not confuse your worth, your value as a human being with what you do. Okay, that's one of the keys to becoming less defensive. Do not confuse who you are with what you do. One of the primary reasons why I and so many others become defensive when someone questions you, maybe your decision or a judgment, is because we tend to want to tie all of our decisions, all of our judgments, all of our questions, we want to tie all of that to our self-worth, our value as a human being. And again, what you have to be careful and mindful of is that your value, your worth, who you are, made in the image and the likeness of God, okay, is not dependent or tied to what you do. Now, I have to remind myself often of that treasure that is within me, and I've got to remember 
And I've got to keep that in the forefront of my mind, whose image and likeness I am made in. Because again, when you lose sight of that, when you tie your value and your worth to what you do, anytime a critique, a question, or a challenge comes to you, it is going to feel like a threat to the treasure that God has placed within you, and you will respond by becoming defensive. Again, it's, it's all in how the person uh, hearing the question or critique processes the question or the critique. So one of the things that I really am working with, working through, coming to terms with, is everyone makes mistakes. I, I don't like that. I hate that. I don't want to do that. But I have to come to terms, everybody fails at points in life. All of us are going to make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. And I realize to expect that of myself, again, I'm just setting myself up to go on the attack when someone questions a decision or an action I've taken. See, if someone is just questioning a decision, or maybe they're just trying to clarify, get a better understanding of why you made the choice you made, okay, there's no need to be defensive, they're just asking a question, a very innocent question. Now, if they're questioning or they're devaluing your worth, your value as someone who's made in the image and likeness of God, then you have every right to defend yourself. So for me, whenever I find myself becoming defensive and find myself bringing, again, a war mentality to a non-war issue, I have to stop and ask myself this question, why am I doing this? What is going on inside of me have I just turned a question into an attack on my worth and my value as a human being so again it really comes back to just being mindful it just comes back to being aware of the treasure that God has placed within me it, it's also acknowledging there's weaknesses there's there's failures there's mistakes in there that, that God wants to redeem that he wants to sanctify and it's just allowing God to work in and to transform those areas of weakness that really have the potential to make me a toxic person. And attention to both of those areas, our strengths, that treasure, our weaknesses, both, attention to both of those areas is important if we really seriously want to mature as a Christian. And I believe that that's why you're here this morning. It's important to not only be aware of your weaknesses, but also the weaknesses of others. And again, avoid putting yourself, avoid putting other people into a position where your weaknesses or the weaknesses of others are going to exploit you and lead you in the wrong direction. So again, it is that prayer. Father, give me the grace to know, to accept my limitations. Let me just close with this. Paul, one of the greatest Christians who ever lived, said he did not mind admitting, he did not mind owning up to the fact that he had weaknesses. Listen to what he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 9. He said, God told me my grace is enough. God, give me grace. We're asking for grace because Paul said God's grace is more than enough. It's more than sufficient. Paul says it's all you need. My strength comes into its own. This is God speaking to the clay pot. My strength comes into its own in your weaknesses. Once I heard that, Paul said, I was glad to get out of the way and let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and I began appreciating the gift. 
It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. And Paul says, now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer, these limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks, I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. This from a man who discovered the freedom of recognizing I am a clay jar. I have weaknesses, and I can take those limits in stride because of the great treasure that God has placed within me to give me strength, to give me wisdom, to give me boldness, to give me discernment. Whatever you need, God is going to place that within that clay pot. I don't have to pretend that I'm something I'm not anymore. There is incredible freedom in that. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, again, we just thank you so much. And Lord, it is really my prayer as, again, we're all in different places. I think we all struggle with so many different areas. And some of those areas really are very fertile ground. They're places where we really have the potential to become extremely toxic. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, as you're making me aware, God, that you would make each of us aware, God, of those areas of the treasures that you've placed within us, that power, the presence of your Holy Spirit, that part of you, God, that is really committed to changing, transforming us more and more into the image of your Son. Father, we thank you for that, Lord. Make us even more and more aware of that, of your working in us. And by that same token, God, I also ask, Lord, that you'd open the eyes of our hearts, God. Make us aware, God, again, of those places that maybe we've closed off, those doors that maybe we've barricaded and locked, and we put the sign out that tells you, stay out, don't mess in this place, this area of my life. That, God, again, we would just remove those barriers, God, or you remove those barriers, and that, God, you would be able to begin to access those places, those weaknesses, those failures, those areas of sin, those strongholds, God, that we would just allow you access. And, God, you're going to come. And in your gentleness, God, you're going to begin to deal with those areas, those issues that, God, you're going to begin to take our weaknesses. And, God, as you begin to move and to breathe upon that, that, God, you're going to take those and begin to, to manifest those as your strengths in us. And so, Father, again, we just thank you, Lord, for your commitment that your love never gives up on us. God, your love will never fail us. Your love will never abandon us in spite of the weaknesses, in spite of the limitations. But rather, God, your love sees those limitations, those weaknesses as potential for your strength to come. And so, Father, again, we just relinquish. We open our hearts. We open our lives, God, and just ask you, God, to move in deeper ways, God, in our hearts and our lives. And we just thank you for the example of, of Paul. And God, may, may Paul's statement be our statement his decree, our decree. His prayer, our prayer. Father, we just thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.